This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Today on the show, we're talking about three elements that make up really, really, really good jazz solos. These are things that I'm hearing in the best jazz musicians in the world and things that we want to start implementing in our own solos. So let's talk about those. Grab your favorite drink. Grab your favorite snack. Let's do it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, what musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast my friends as always i like to just say thank you so much if you're a regular listener i got an email from someone the other day who um literally told me that they started listening from episode one um but more recently like not like in 2016 when we started the podcast like more recently and they've listened to every single episode of the show and apparently they're going back and revisiting some of the older episodes that they thought were particularly valuable. So anyways, that made me feel good. So thank you so much for listening, no matter how long you've been listening. If you're brand new to the show, we do lots of jazz improv and jazz theory and jazz practicing tutorials. Basically, our goal is just to help you become a better jazz musician. So I'm just excited to be here as always. So like I said, we're talking about these three elements that I hear make up a great jazz solo. And so sure, these are things that... 100% I hear in Charlie Parker, John Coltrane, um, Sonny Stitt, Sonny Rollins, Wynton Kelly, Wes Montgomery, whoever you like, right? I, I hear all of these things happening. And these are essentially the things that we want to be 100% thinking about when we're trying to take a solo, right? The things that to me are making the solo sound amazing and not only sound amazing, but sound exceptionally amazing. Like where you're like, hey, wow, that's my aspiration. I want to sound that good. And it's these three elements underneath that I think are really helping and propping up these solos. Now, um, there are a lot of like, you could per, per se, you could say there's a lot of sub elements underneath the ones I'm talking about today, um, which maybe I'll graze upon, obviously. I certainly talked about them before in the podcast, but these three are ones to be thinking about. And uh, I'll give you a little call to action at the end. Kind of excited, by the way. I've got uh, I've got my looper pedal out here. I literally just got a looper pedal because I was making a video for our YouTube channel and was like, um, I, I really wish I could just like, instead of like putting up a backing track and having the editor put it in, I wish I could just like loop something and then play over top of it. So I got a looper pedal. Anyways, so we're going to put that thing into action today. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. So the first element that I hear is melodic interest, okay? Melodic interest. They're basically, just to say it in a plain way, 
are creating really, really amazing melodies. Okay. Now, before you go, gee, Brent, thanks a lot. I didn't really need to listen to minute three of this podcast in order to to hear you say that jazz, great jazz musicians play great melodies. Um, but bear with me here because I, I think there's something here that I, there's something here that you're going to learn. And that is, hey, how do we actually create great melodies? And for sure, the other elements I'm going to talk about will help you with that. But when we think about great melodies, like I literally want you to think about what makes some of your favorite songs amazing, right? And so I'm, I'm even talking about like, um, I don't know, like a Beatles song or like any pop song that you're like, wow, that's a great melody and it's very like, hey, Jude, right? Great song. Or some of the jazz standards you're listening to, like what makes... makes polka dots and moonbeams such a beautiful melody, right? Right. So we have to start thinking about that. So part of it is like, we got to learn lots of melodies of jazz standards, right? Right. We have to learn a lot of those melodies and try to figure out what do we like about them? Now, I think melodies, great melodies often have something about them that goes deep and uses depth of range and a number of things. And again, analyze your favorite melody and go from there. I think that's going to be really important to do. But as far as actually practicing this, I think a great way to start working on creating great melodies is to really simplify things. Because oftentimes we're dealing in jazz with complex chord progressions. So what I think I'd like to do is just focus on one chord. And so let's just pick one chord. Let's say it's D minor. Okay. And let's pick one tool that, um, sorry, how to do that. <laughs> Once you play a chord, you're like, Let me, let's do something else to that chord. Um, let's pick one tool. The, to the tool is going to be the Dorian mode, right? So, okay. What's the Dorian mode for, for those who don't know? So, Really, when we just think about the Dorian mode, it's the second mode of the major scale. What's that mean at all? It basically means, okay, if we have D minor, what's D the second scale tone of? What major scale is it the second scale tone of? That's the C major scale. And so that's why, you know, we see like a D minor seven, like, so for example, so what? Right, that song kind of botch the melody there a little bit but so once we know a song like that we see a song where it's like just two chords right? it's d minor seven and it's e flat minor seven right that's dorian stuff right so let's get a, a d minor loop going here okay so anything c major over top of this Basically, I'm just playing C major ideas, but that's our tool. And we're going to use that just to practice over one chord, trying to play great melodies. Okay. So something to think about with great melodies is 
how can we develop a melody? Like, how can we keep it simple at first, but develop it into something else? How can we use the range of our instrument? How can we create theme and variation, right? So let's give that a shot. Right. So you probably heard me doing all the things that I just mentioned there before we started jamming on that a little bit, a little bit of theme and variation. So like. Right. So kind of repeating ideas over and over again, using the range of my instrument. of my instrument, low to high, things like that, moving forth like that. So lots of different things we can do, right? And then you might have noticed as well that I was leaving some space, right? Because a good melody always has some space in it. It's not just a continuous flow of notes, right? And so the best jazz musicians are doing this over and over and over again. But it, they're also not just playing small broken up phrases. This is a common thing with my inner circle members. I usually mention with them. It's like, hey, don't just go. And that's your whole solo is you're kind of playing those broken up phrases. Play those, but then. Right? That feels good, right? So breaking it up with some eighth note lines as well. That sounds really good. That's a good melody. It keeps you interested in it and it keeps you going and driving forward. Now, again, another way to practice melodies is to be even simpler than what I'm doing. Right now, we're just using one tool and just one chord, right? The Dorian mode over top of D minor. But again, what if we just thought like a pop musician and just tried to create a melody that would make the Beatles proud or, you know, make hit, make the top forties, right? 
We can also think about that, just creating really simple, good melodies. And of course, composing your own melodies is also a good idea on top of that, right? But I think this is a good practice just to make things simple. Just go one chord, see if you can really just explore that chord and create lots of great melodic, interesting stuff. It's a little bit less about worrying about playing chord changes and and all that stuff, right? It's a little bit less about that and more about just creating great, meaningful music, right? Um, So that is the first element that I see in great jazz solos is excellent melody. And hopefully some of that context that I just gave you there will get your brain thinking a little bit there. All right, so the next one is rhythmic ability. So rhythmic ability. There's lots of great rhythmic content and rhythmic ideas. So a lot of times in jazz, especially for us non-drummers, right, non-percussive instruments, we're really focused a lot on harmony and melody, right? Like that's what we're studying. We're talking about jazz improv and scales and chord tones and how do we play great jazz language, right? We're usually talking about harmony and melody, but we're not usually thinking as much about rhythm, okay? So rhythm is something that's really important. Like I mentioned, if we're only playing these broken up phrases, right? Like this. Right? That's fine. And that's got some good rhythmic material in there as well, right? There's there's rhythm in there, but we also have to break up that rhythm with some other kinds of more interesting rhythms. So How do we start doing this? Well, we start from the beginning. Are we able to play our basic subdivisions, right? So let's just start with um, quarter notes, right? Super boring, right? Because (laughs) it's just one kind of rhythmic subdivision. But the fundamentals are important because it's going to give us the rhythmic freedom to start creating interesting rhythms. So right now we got, um, let's do quarter note triplets. That's quarter note triplets. So can you play quarter note triplets over one chord, right, over top of a form and still be in time and make it feel good? If you don't have that kind of rhythmic ability, right, we need to get back to the fundamentals a little bit. All right, let's go to eighth notes. may have cheated just once in there. (laughs) 
pause the recording there. I may have cheated just once in there. I think I played a triplet. <laughs> that's just habit. But that's just pure eighth notes. And can you make your eighth notes feel really good over the time? I remember being in a master class with Fred Hirsch and Fred Hirsch was listening to my playing. Like this was in college. And we went up and we were performing a song in front of Fred Hirsch. And I was trying to play all these really elaborate rhythmic ideas and fast runs and stuff like that. And Fred Hirsch basically said to me, hey, man, if you can't make eighth notes sound really good, you're probably not going to make all the other stuff that you're trying to play sound really good. Basically, he was trying to say, hey, that's not quite cutting it, right? You're not quite nailing all that stuff. And I can tell your eighth notes aren't amazing. So got to make your eighth notes sound amazing. Okay, let's go to um, eighth note triplets. That was eighth note triplets. Okay, a little harder. Now, an interesting thing when you start doing these subdivisions, your approach on your instrument is going to be a little bit different. doesn't matter what instrument you play. On my guitar, I'm having to use my right hand a little bit softer, right? Also, I noticed at the bat, I started playing a little bit too staccato. I wanted to round out those triplets and they improved. So literally just playing streams of triplets is a good idea. I probably would even slow this down a little bit for myself, right? Because the, uh, For example, the next one is 16th notes. I can't do 16th notes at the tempo we're doing right now, but 16th notes would be a good one to do, especially right when we're doing ballads, for example. Ballads, it's a great opportunity to play 16th notes, right? Maybe not all other tunes, but 16th notes, great for ballads, right? So we want to be getting all of those subdivisions down. Okay, so once we know we're good with those fundamentals, we can play them like we practice them. We can improvise with just those, right? And that's great, right? Now we have that foundation. So now we can start creating like rhythmic motifs, right? So like this. That's a rhythmic motif, right? That's a little idea. Right? The rhythmic element of that is what's being copied and manipulated over and over and over again. So then you start doing that over top of the form of whatever tune you're working on. Compose one rhythmic motif like that. And then connect it with notes. Again, this can be really helpful to do just starting simply with one chord like we're doing now, and one main tool. Now notice I'm not only playing Dorian mode, right? You've been hearing me play lots of chromatic notes at this point, so we're abandoning that to a degree, but it's still my home base, and that's especially easy because it's D minor, it's one chord, right? But we're keeping things simple, so we can practice a bunch of rhythmic motifs. So what's, uh, what's that Charlie Parker one that's really good? Right? So... 
triplet. So it's triplets and eighth notes. Right? So can we do that? Let's try. start changing it a little bit but we're really just focusing on the rhythm and getting good at motific development right now we can start kind of building with that let's just like play rhythmic ideas try to change up the rhythmic ideas focusing on that right because if your focus isn't just about playing the chord changes or playing a great melody it's more about let's get these rhythms it's a shift in the way you're thinking right you're training your brain to think more like this. You're training your brain to think more about these three elements so that it can come out in your playing. So let's try it. Shift is focused over to rhythm. Does this make sense? So just just with working on the element of rhythm, we've talked about the fundamentals, we've talked about rhythmic motifs, and we've talked about just rhythmic development, which is essentially what I was doing right there, okay? So that's the second element is rhythmic development, like rhythmic interest is what I hear is super important. Okay, so the third element is one of those elements that is just unavoidable, and that is the element of playing the changes, right? For lack of a better word, can you hear the chord changes come out in your solo, right? So this is huge. And we talk a lot about this on the podcast. Um, and some of the the things I'm going to talk about here, if you've been a long time listener, you're going to recognize some of these things, right? But there's going to be some things in here that I think are going to be just looked at from a slightly different angle. So playing the changes is super important. When you listen to your favorite jazz musicians, the thing that differentiates them from somebody else is that they know how to outline the chord changes while still playing rhythmically, while still playing great melodies, right? That's, that's not easy. None of those things are easy. I didn't say it was, right? But that's what they're doing. So how do we start playing the chord changes? Well, let's start going and staying in the same key here. So let's say we have a two, five, one in concert C major, right? We know that to be a D minor, G7 to a C major seven, right? So minor chord followed by a dominant seventh chord and a major seventh chord. Now, notice how I mentioned the qualities of the chords, right? Minor. Right? We know that's a, a one, a flat three, a five, flat seven. 
dominant seven, one major third, fifth, flat seven. And major seventh chord is one third, fifth, major seventh. That's super important because if you actually don't know how to spell those, then you're never going to be able to start playing the chord changes, right? So it's important that you are very intimately familiar with these chords. That's why in our Inner Circle membership, we learn a new jazz standard every single month. And the one of the resources we always include every single month is the chord tone map. The chord tone map, it just maps out the chord tones. That's really all it does. It does it a little differently, though. It uses voice leading. So it's like, okay, we're going up the D minor chord. Then we go to the nearest chord tone. We resolve down to the third of the G7. Right? We'll land on the fifth of the G7. And then we go to the nearest chord tone of the C major 7. Let's do the third. Right? So, basically, figuring out how do we connect these chord tones together, right? Those are the ones we want to figure out. We also sometimes talk about guide tones, too, right? That's the thirds and sevenths. Right? Now, notice, did you hear the chord changes coming out just by being playing those? It's the third, the seventh of the D minor. Third, the seventh of the G7. Third, and the seventh of the C major 7, right? So again, these are like the fundamentals, right? Remember when I was talking about rhythm fundamentals? These are like the fundamentals of knowing the chord changes, being able to play the chord changes. It's like if you can't get that there, we're going to have a hard time doing some of the other things, right? So the next thing we want to think about we wanna, when we're playing the changes, right, is how do we approach some of these chord tones, right? Well, we, we know the scale, right? The scale is C major. And we know that actually technically C major works for all of those chords. Because remember, D minor 7 is, is the Dorian mode. It's the C major is the parent scale, right? We're just starting and ending on the D minor. And then the G7, G7, that's the five chord in C major. So that's what we call the mixolydian mode. But again, that's just the C major scale starting and ending on the fifth. And then, of course, over the C major, that's just the major scale, right? That's all we're playing there, right? So we could literally play the C major scale over top of all that. And that's why, by the way, my friends, simply thinking about scales over top of jazz standards, it can be helpful to a degree, but not really when it comes to this, right? Because 2-5-1, most important chord progression in jazz, and I could play just one scale over top of it, and nothing differentiates those modes other than starting and ending on the exact same note, on the root note, which is not how we want to improvise. It doesn't spell out the chord changes, but we can still use the scale and the modes as notes that will help us arrive to them, right? So for example... Okay, right? So that was using notes from the scale and outside of the scale to arrive. So here's, that's the third. That's the third of the G7. That was the third of the C major seven. I was basically from a note up above, note below, arrived at the third. Note from above, note from below, arrived at the third. Note from above, note from below, arrived at the third, right? So. Actually, let's get this loop going, so. Okay, let's do it. 
Now let's invert it, so low to high. Approaching the notes. Right? Now let's figure out another way. So basically, how can we figure out as many ways as possible? I was just kind of teasing it there, but how many ways as possible can we figure out to connect the chord changes, target those chord tones, right? We can use approach tones. We can use stuff from the scale, right? Then, of course, there's licks. We can learn licks from great jazz musicians, and how did they do it? And we'll learn stuff like, oh, hey, they went... Right? They use like the altered idea over top of the chord there. Right? And so that's way to connect and play the chord tones, but also altered color tones over top of the five chord going to the one chord. But it all starts with the fundamentals. Like how many different ways can we figure out how to approach different chord tones, whether it be the third like we were doing just now, whether it be the fifth, whether it be the seventh, Right? Maybe even an extension. We're adding an extension every once in a while, but then going back to a chord tone, right? So at the end of the day, that's what we really want. We really want to be able to hear the chord tones. And so whenever I hear students that are playing great melody, even maybe playing great rhythm, but they're skipping way too many chord changes, that's the missing part right there. Like that's the part that's not making it sound like the best jazz solo ever, right? So we want to get there. So just to review, these three elements is one, melody, incredibly great melody, two, rhythmic ability, rhythmic ideas, and three, playing the chord changes. So which one of those right now do you think are your weakest at, right? Now we can always, all of us can improve on all three of those, right? I'll raise my hand as well. But which one of those do you feel like you're the weakest at? So my challenge for you this week is, is identify that and using some of the strategies and the practicing techniques I just went through with you right now, go ahead and go out and practice that way. See how you do. See if you can move the needle just a little bit further. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Do appreciate and hope that you learned something from today's episode. Uh, by the way, if you've never checked out our LJS Inner Circle membership, you got to check it out. It's so much fun. Like I mentioned, we learned one new jazz standard a month over there. It's like a really attainable goal for most people, even if you don't have a lot of practice time. And we have all kinds of resources that we do with that to and even if you just did one of those resources, it's a guarantee that you're going to be improving your jazz playing. And we also have tons of courses on stuff like rhythm changes and the blues. And we do basics 101 courses to help you fill in gaps in your musical knowledge. We do a live Q&A with me every single month. And honestly, we have an incredible community of musicians playing all kinds of instruments, piano, bass, guitar, saxophone, trumpet. I mean, you name it. We even have ukulele players, accordion players, harmonica players. It's awesome. Trombone players. So... 
the community is just really awesome. Everybody's uplifting. Everybody's sharing recordings. Everybody's getting critique and they're getting encouragement and it's a lot of fun. So go check it out at ljsinnercircle.com. Would love to have you as always. Of course, I'm always happy to help you here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Love to have you keep coming back. So until then, my friends, happy practicing and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.